This is the Multifamily by the Slice podcast with your hosts, Dre Evans, Ike Ake, and Chi Nguyen. If your goal is to achieve legacy wealth and financial freedom, then this is the podcast for you. Streaming to listeners around the world, you'll learn unique insights and secret strategies from guests on all aspects of the real estate investing space. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review, and pass it along to a friend who can benefit from a slice of multifamily knowledge. Now, get off your ass and let's get into it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Multifamily by the Slice. Today, we had Ian Lolly on the show. He is a multifamily investor out of Kansas City, but soon to be out of San Diego here with us because he's making the move in about 10 days from when we recorded the podcast, which is pretty exciting. I mean, it was also a very exciting episode. We learned a ton. It was a really flowing and fun conversation. What do you guys think about it? Chi, what do you think about it? I loved it. I thought this was a super down-to-earth episode. He's a down-to-earth guy who loves people and is super relationships-driven, high EQ, I should say. Um, so I thought there was a lot of really practical tips you could take away and apply in your everyday business and honestly, just in life in general. So I think it was a lot of good, hard tips and then also philosophical kind of mindset tips there as well. What do you think, Dre? You got a great happy last name, Lolly. That really, <laughs> I like that. But as she said, very detailed episode. And we talked about multifamily. We talked about connections and a little bit even to a, a rehab portion to the show, a lot of practical tips. I took a lot of notes on this show. And for our listeners out there, we take notes on every episode, but this one, I had two, almost three pages of everything that he was saying, just a lot of great stuff. So if you're ready to take your notepad out and write down a lot of things that you can implement today, this is going to be a good one, folks. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, listener. Look. The reason you're listening to this show is so you can learn about and invest in real estate. Well, one of the key things our guests, my co-hosts, and myself always preach is to expand your network. So here's your chance and your call to action. Go to my website, rubiconcre.com, sign up for my newsletter, and reach out to schedule some time so we can chat. You can learn about what I'm doing and possibly partner with me on my next deal. Again, that's rubiconcre.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome to the Multi-Feeling by the Slice podcast. I'm your host, Dre Evans. I have my great co-hosts here, Ike Eke and Chi Nguyen. I want to thank everyone for tuning in for another great episode. If you're a first-time listener, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you're a returning listener, please leave us a five-star review. We already talked about it before we hit record. The sun is back out in San Diego. Everybody's happy. I'm a little Italy right across the water in the harbor. Dogs are smiling, skipping down the street. <laughs> it's just a beautiful time. But before we introduce Ian, who's moving to San Diego, folks, from Kansas City, I got to check in with Ike and Chi. What's happening? Things are good on my end. Yeah, I honestly am so happy that the sun's out. After five months of raining, it's like such a big difference. I love the rain. I just don't like the gloomy skies. And Ian is like, hitting the jackpot, like just moving to San Diego and it's like the most beautiful it's been in like years with all the rain that we've had with all the flowers. So I'm stoked. I can't, I have nothing to complain about. How about you, Ike? 
I just have to say that I guarantee the vast majority of our audience that is not in Southern California is like, oh my gosh, they're always complaining about how great it is outside. But you know what? We're not going to stop complaining because we moved here for a reason. Yeah, and we are, we are We are happy that the sun is out and shining and things are back to normal here in sunny San Diego. But I'm doing good because of those reasons. And I'm also good because I'm, I'm happy to invite Ian onto the show. Ian Lolly, he's out of Kansas City and he's moving to San Diego, as Dre mentioned before. And he is a real estate investor, just like the three of us. So Ian, welcome to the show uh, and, and introduce yourself to the audience and tell them a little bit about yourself and what you've done in real estate and what you're doing today. Awesome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to tell a little bit of my story, be able to share a little bit with you guys and also really excited to go to San Diego here. I have a countdown on my phone 10 days until I leave and I've been landlocked for 31 years. So I'm really excited to get closer to the beach and and be able to enjoy sunny San Diego. A little bit about me. So I've been in real estate for approximately two, two and a half years now. And I started simply from reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like a lot of people got the, I read that within about three days or less. And from there, I started talking with anybody and everybody I could to just find somebody that was already doing this so I could learn from them. And lo and behold, I got connected with some of the right people who were looking for an opportunity to be able to help mentor somebody who could help them. I just took it from there. So I had some cash that was available. They had a process. We combined forces and that was just how I started out in the real estate game. And from there, I just learned more and more about how real estate is a lot like sales and the sales methodology. So that's how I've always tailored my approach to real estate is leaning into my strengths and my previous experience in um, my corporate world career with sales. You know, that that's interesting. And I think sort of talking about that last point that you brought up, that you use what you saw as your personal skill to get you into the door. I think all of us inside of real estate and outside of real estate, when you've been a professional in pretty much any industry for a while, you develop skills that are applicable to real estate. In your case, it's sales and that you're comfortable communicating with people. In fact, you reached out to me that's how we got to know each other and and sort of leveraging that skill and partnering with others that don't necessarily have that strength that you have is a great way to get into the industry. Definitely. No, I completely agree because I think that at its core, what you're doing is you want to be able to find somebody that has already done what you've what you're looking to accomplish. If you can find that type of a mentor who, you know, it all starts with knowing what you want. And if you understand what you want, then you can start to look out for the people that have already accomplished that. And if those people have accomplished that, then they're going to be able to teach you all the things that they had to learn through the process, their trials and their tribulations. But by learning from them and with that, if you can figure out their problems that they're currently trying to solve and you help them to solve those problems, then it's going to be a lot easier for you and for them. They're going to be more willing to give back to you and you're going to learn from them in that process, but you've also developed the skills necessary to hopefully accomplish uh, going over the hurdles that they have where they're at right now. So it really catapults you and propels you in a positive direction by partnering with others and being able to learn from a, a group of different investors or different people that are uh, in this space. What were you doing? You said the corporate job was sales. You want to talk a little bit about that and how you were able to leverage that in real estate? Yeah, for sure. Within sales, I'll give you just a brief rundown of my sales career. It was quite interesting. So I graduated and I had no idea what I wanted to do. 
but I had an interest in solar energy. So I applied to about 135 solar companies. I, uh, hindsight, I looked back at it and counted how many I applied to. Ended up finding a company that was uh, moving from Oakland, actually, to open a satellite office here in Kansas City. So I moved to downtown and uh, I was a new grad. They took a chance on me being a solar consultant and I was selling business to consumer solar energy to homes, mostly in California, but across the U.S. And I was doing it over the phone. If you can imagine selling a construction product that nobody has ever done over the phone, it was quite a difficult sale. And I cut my teeth through that process. And it taught me a lot about how people make decisions. It taught me about how business works and doesn't work. It's taught me about just sales philosophy and strategy, and then a lot about myself too. So within that company, unfortunately ended up going bankrupt. But in that process, I learned about what my values were and that I have to look out for myself. And I really started to mature into understanding how to have a grander vision for what I want out of my life. And that's where my journey began. And then I ended up taking up another sales gig that allowed me to hone those skills and refine those and make good money doing it. And I saved that cash. And eventually I got introduced to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, had a lot of cash available, but had zero real estate experience. And, and so once I had the motivation, it was just a matter of time for me to find my way in. At that point, I'd talked to somebody maybe a year or so prior to reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, and that person had two or three houses. Well, lo and behold, after I got that new motivation by reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, then I gave him a call the next day, basically. And he told me, yeah, I've got about 12 or 13 houses, got a partner, but we're cash poor because real estate tends to be a cash poor business. And, and from there, I had some money. They had the process, and that's where we combined combined to be able to work together. And uh, that partnership is still active today. We've got, we, we own and hold real estate together, but that was just the first move into me learning real estate and learning the strategy and process of, of, you know, how to look at a deal. And from there, understanding how to prospect and understanding how to analyze somebody's needs all comes back into the sales, sales mentality and the sales cycle. So knowing how to help somebody figure out what they want and be able to provide them that is is crucial when you're talking to either a wholesaler or a direct to owner or if you go into the capital side of things if you're trying to help investors on a syndication then they have their needs and wants that they are trying to facilitate and you have to be able to bring them the right value so being able to pull that out of them and be able to help to make sure that you're going to be able to actually execute on that too is paramount I'm glad you brought it back to sales. And I think it's a timely topic to discuss because a lot of people um, that want to get into real estate now, maybe have a couple of deals under their belt, want to develop that skill because six, nine, 12 months down the line, there's going to be a lot of deals to be had by going direct to seller, helping people that are maybe underwater on cash flowing deals. Is it possible for you to give our audience a few tips on when you get that owner on the line or you get that person that you're trying to strike a relationship with on the phone, um, how do you go about having that conversation? Yeah, great question. First thing is you want to act as if you're on the same side of the table with them. I think that's the best visual I can provide because that's what you're trying to do. They see you on the phone and when they're talking to some nobody, essentially, they see you as somebody that's opposing to them. And what you want to do is you want to very quickly and in a savvy way, be able to show them, 
hey, I'm actually here to help you and find uh, some common ground here. So that's a really the best visual I can give toward seeing how you can frame that conversation. The second thing that I would say is everything in a sales in the sales process starts with good questions, because what you're doing is you're in discovery mode. You're trying to find out the person's needs, figure out what the their state of what process they are in actually making a decision to sell or not to sell or to hold or to whatever it is that they're trying to figure out for for that particular phone call or client or a person that they're looking to buy from, hopefully. All those things, as long as you're starting with asking good questions and knowing what the end goal in mind is, then those questions help you to be much more of a sharpshooter and being able to tactically get the right information for you to then bring the value that person needs on the phone. So I'd say that those are the two big things that I could think right off the top is just visualize yourself as if you're trying to get yourself on the same side of the table with them, have a cup of coffee, build some rapport. And also to ask the right questions that are going to help you to develop toward toward the value that they see in the opportunity. Um, so it's not as if you're trying to impress them or throw them all these tactics, but you're actually just listening to them. And by asking those questions, you can gain that rapport and you can gain that trust. And, and then hopefully you can take that information and be able to show them a good way for you to be able to help them out and for everybody to win. Ian, you said something earlier that earlier that really piqued my interest. You said the sales, it was really difficult. You learned a lot of sales philosophy and strategy. You said you learned how people make decisions. Mm, And you may have answered that just now with the value thing, but did you notice some sort of like correlation or lots of patterns? How how do people make decisions? Well, every decision is emotional (laughs) and it's backed by logic. So understanding that at its core is really helpful. People buy from people they like because there's that emotional element to it. And also people have ties to a number of different motivating factors that are almost impossible to calculate. So what you're really trying to do when you get somebody there on the phone or that you're, if you're doing an outside sales gig, or if you're going knocking doors, whatever it is, what you're wanting to do is you just want to find out what is their, their emotional trigger to be able to feel like they're trusting you and that they can get you, that you can provide them something that's of value. It's that simple. Everything within business comes down to trust and integrity. And so if you're operating on those two levels, then making sure that you can provide that emotional support while gathering the proper information is going to help you to be a lot more effective. And that's why I said that visual being on the same side of the table with them, sitting down and having a cup of coffee, that doesn't have to be literal, just in a figurative sense. That's how you want it to feel because that's what they're going to need to be able to feel comfortable with you. All right. Now let's move forward. Yeah. And I know you've done quite a bit. We were talking earlier. You've done some short-term rental stuff. You've got the six unit in Kansas city. So let's touch on the six unit. And then if you can lead us and talk a little bit about the short-term rentals as well, and then that'll take us to the legacy round. How about that? Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. So tell us about that six unit, man. Yeah. So this was definitely quite an opportunity and it was more of happenstance. I was going on a, for lack of a better term, a fool's errand. So I had a capital investor who has high net worth and high income. He wanted to find a syndicating partner to be able to invest in real estate because He's too busy doing a million other things and he he doesn't want to be doing that. 
just himself. And so he wanted to find a way to passively put his money into real estate. So I went off on the venture to find him someone. And I talked to my financier who got me connected with one of the syndicators that he works with. And so entered those two people into the circle and, and he had brought us a deal that he had under contract. And so at the time we thought that this was going to all work out. The deal was there. We had the syndicating partner and we had some of the capital. Well, unfortunately, the capital just wasn't able to produce the way that we needed to at that time for a number of different reasons. And the syndicating partner happened to, they were just too busy with other deals that were going on and this deal fell to the wayside. And so they got out of contract essentially, but I walked the property with both the syndicating partner and the capital investor. And so now that the deal was out of contract and they were both not interested and they didn't have the right pieces. I saw the opportunity that was there and I knew that this had with the right execution, the right partnership, this could be a great deal. It's in one of the best areas in the downtown scape of Kansas City known as Columbus Park. And so it's this quiet little old Italy area. And, uh, and so it's a uh, nice and quiet. It's a suburban feel, but it's only five minutes from the center of downtown KC. Once it left contract, I went and I just knocked on the owner's door because he lived in the sixplex. So knocked on his door. He didn't even remember me. And I told him, Hey, I don't think that your deal is going through, but I can find somebody who can make this work. And lo and behold, I found a partner who has the best construction knowledge that I've seen to date. And so me and him partnered on the deal. We got it under contract within about four days, closed in about 30 days or so. And then it took us about eight months to do the project. And it was a full gut rehab with the exception of basically one unit. So all five needed full gut permitting and everything, mechanical, electrical, plumbing. We had to do, it's an all brick building. We had to do some masonry work. We did the roof, everything outside of the structure essentially was what we had to do in the building. And, and so we, we turned it into and something that's much more modern now. And we did a high-end luxury feel to all of the apartments. And so we, we were working day in and day out, 10 hours a day, six days a week for about eight months, finally got it done and through the city's inspections. And then we were ready to refinance at the second week of February. So we got all that done. The appraisal came in good. And, and then we got out of it and we're moving toward full stabilization here very soon. Do you mind sharing any of the numbers on the deal? Yeah, happy to. So we bought the property for 550000 and our rehab was at just under 600000 And then we had the appraisal of $1.5 So if you do the numbers just on a very easy way of running burst strategy investments, a lot of people say, okay, it's 50 k for the purchase, 50 k for the rehab, and then you reappraise it one. 150k. Well, we just 10x that. We did 500,000, another five to 600,000 in rehab, and then we came out with the appraisal at 1.5 million. Awesome, awesome! Congratulations, first of all. That sounds like a great deal that you were able to put together. And with 600k in in rehab costs, I'm sure we could do a whole podcast on just the rehab. (laughs) But I would love to ask you just. If you can give the audience two or three things you learned throughout that process, I'm sure there's a lot, but if you can just boil it down to a couple, that would be great. Man, that's tough. The number one would be that electrification and understanding 
the city with regard to the utility company and how that runs with it within the permitting system is critical to the deal. If, if you don't do the proper things on the electricity side, then it will come back to bite you. And I was lucky enough to have a partner who had gone through that experience and knows what that looks like. So we, it saved us a lot of heartache within that. There was still plenty of heartache to be had throughout the remainder of the rehab, but that's the number one piece of info that I learned out of that deal that's going to save me for forever more on these types of projects. And last question, on the psychological side of things, was there ever a time you felt like, oh, this isn't going to work out? Like something either with the city or with the construction? Look, this we tried our best, but we're probably going to have to walk away from this thing. Multiple times, yes. I would say there were probably two distinct times, maybe three. One was in going through the plumbing. They asked us to do a, a plumbing pressure test. And that was essentially for us to fill the entire drainage system with water up to the bottom of the third level. Well, that's putting your property at a pretty big stress test. And it's also asking a lot because if something fails, that water is going to go somewhere. And lo and behold, while we were testing it at one point, we did have one of the, the airtight grippers that we had in one of the plugs there. It did come loose and the water did shoot out. <laughs> At one point, luckily there was not any significant damage, but that was definitely a moment where we were scratching our heads and really seeing, we thought that we had gotten ourselves way too far into the deep end, but we did end up getting past that. The other part was with regard to sheetrock and sheetrock inspections. I joke with my partner on this, Cole, because we say that we have a PhD in sheetrock now. <laughs> <laughs> we learned about all of these UL references, and there's about thousands of different codes to be able to make sure that you're providing the right screw patterns to match their sheetrock. And all that has to do with fire code. So matching matching fire code is also, I would say that's probably the second most important next to electrification of the building or a, a multifamily unit. Um, and so we used, I think, about five different kinds of sheetrock in the building to make sure that we were doing things properly and cost effectively in within different walls of the apartment complex. And that was un making sure that we had the proper listing for the city to be able to do the proper setup with our, with our screw patterns and with the right sheetrock was, it was like finding a needle in a haystack, <laughs> but we ended up finding it. So it worked out and I would say that was, those were the two big ones for sure. And what financing did you use for that six unit? So we used some hard money actually for the purchase. And then me and my partner, we funded it with our capital for the rehab. And then I actually raised some private capital on the property at a uh, short-term hard money as well. So we primarily used our own funds, but we did have a little bit of additional capital from the private source for rehab. And I'm assuming they wanted the typical 15, 20% for the hard money loan. It was, we did all right, actually. We were at 13% for our purchase and then 12% for the private lenders who are some friends I know who I've lent, who I've borrowed from in the past, had a good relationship. And I mean, I've taught them a little bit about real estate in the process. And so that's how I've developed those relationships. Again, back to sales, understanding what people want. They wanted to learn about real estate. I have a way to be able to give them some knowledge and be able to, they can scratch my back by utilizing their capital and that allows me to grow and allows them to grow at the same time. So that's how I developed those relationships and how I used that to my advantage too. 
That's not bad. 13% for a six unit at 550,000 yeah. purchase price. It's, it's pretty good, man. Especially uh, we bought the building at June 1st of last year. And so if you look at what inflation rates were, what inflation has done and interest rates, the person who gave us the short-term hard money, I think it was like what year over year, seven or 8% interest in inflation is what we're seeing. So like for him to make four to 5%, it's not like he was killing it. And so we did, we did really well, especially given what the economic factors are happening right now in the economy. Are you a passive investor looking for consistent monthly income? 70 Investments offers funds that are open to accredited and non-accredited investors and are focused on distressed mortgages, offering an annual preferred return of 8 to 11% paid in monthly dividends. Even better, the income is taxed as qualified dividends, not ordinary income, providing investors with a more favorable tax treatment. As an added bonus, there are zero fees, which means that investors will receive a true preferred return and more money in their pocket each month. Interested in learning more? Email our team at invest at the number seven, the letter E, investments.com to learn more. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the legacy round. She is going to kick it off and do the honors. Cool. Awesome. So Ian, the legacy round, it's an open forum and there's three topics you can choose from. The first is an you can share an acquisition that forever changed the trajectory of your business. Or number two, you can tell us some practical tips on how to grow a portfolio. Or number three, how to build your investor network. I want to actually go with the former. You said a deal that changed forever changed my business. And the reason why I'm choosing that one is it's not necessarily because of the money on this one. It's more about the story and the confidence that it built within me. So I had an opportunity that was given to me by a wholesaler, actually, from when I was doing single family birth strategy investing primarily. And so I, I went to the showing. And I walked around the house and just like most of the other investors that were there, which there weren't too many, it wasn't like a mass marketing situation, but there were probably two or three other people there. Um, we were walking around and you could tell that there wasn't a whole lot of value to be seen or added into the vision of the property. You needed to do some basic updates, but there wasn't like, you couldn't add a bedroom or add a bathroom, that sort of thing. And that's where the real tangible value is in doing some type of birth strategy investing. And so. I was searching around trying to find the right way to be able to add the right value to this property. And so I go upstairs and I look up this at this room that's probably seven by nine or something like that in, in feet. And so there was a mattress up there and that was it basically. And I'm like, okay, well, there's nothing you do with that. So I walked downstairs a little discouraged and walk outside of the property and I talked to the wholesaler for a bit. And then as I'm walking to my car, I take a, one last look at the property. And I see on the far side of the house that there is a window on that little corner there. And I look and I think about it. I'm like, I didn't see a window in that room that I just saw. So I was thinking that there's extra space. So I go back in the house, back upstairs, look into that room. And I see this little small door that looks like a crawl space. So I hit the door open and there's an additional, probably about 600 square feet of the house that nobody else saw, including the wholesaler. The only person that realized it was me. And I was just getting going at this time. So finding something like this was like the holy grail. It was like finding a, a box of treasure or something. So I found this extra space and I'm looking at this. I'm like, we can add two bedrooms and probably a bathroom with this amount of space up here. 
So we just have to knock down some small walls and make sure that we build out the bedrooms and everything will work. And the numbers were definitely good. The wholesaler didn't see the value that was fully realized in the the house. And so we got a, a steal of a deal for the house. And I walked out of that with the confidence of walking a property with other people who are seasoned veterans of investors. And I said, I can do this because this was the, really the first time I proved to myself that I could make something like this happen. And not only did I do that, but I did it and I recognized something that was there that nobody else saw. So that that gave me a lot of, it empowered me to realize that I was on the right path. I was making good decisions and that I was capable of being successful in real estate. And so that was a great deal for us. It was the best single family burr that we did to date. And, and so that was a great feeling. I love that. I think the deals that give you a mindset shift are sometimes the most powerful deals out there. So that is, that's awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you. If you want a no bullshit way on how to invest in multifamily real estate and do your first deal this year, then check out my Amazon bestselling book. That's my property. It's one of the few books that teaches people about buying apartment buildings in a raw and easy to understand format. Go to drmultifamily.com or prove them wrong, the book.com. Again, that's drmultifamily.com or prove them wrong, the book.com. All right. The final round, the Giordano round. Ian, as this is the multifamily by the size podcast and Giordano's is the number one pizza spot there. It's known for the deep dish pizza. It's thick, it's meaty. You can only eat one or two when you're full. So it's going to be a series of questions that I, myself and she are going to ask you each question is going to be rapid fire, but it's going to leave our listeners with a mouthful of knowledge. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's get it. The first one, you're on the top of the highest mountain in the world. These are the last words before you die. What will you scream out to the world, Ian, and want them to remember you by? I know what's right for me. I love that. All right. Number two, if there was one slice of wisdom you wish you knew when you got started or advice you could pass on to others, what would it be? Just being willing to help others and be that mentor to other people, but also to get a mentor too. I think it's a teaching process. So having somebody that can help you and lean into the differences of who you are versus what somebody else can bring you is also very helpful. I love that answer, by the way. I think that everyone should have a mentor and be a mentor throughout their whole real estate career. I feel like that would make it much more fulfilling. So really cool answer. And number three, vocab. What are your favorite or three most critical real estate terms multifamily investors should know and why? Cash on cash return. That's a big one. For me, at this point, I'd say syndication too. I'm just now entering into that space and I'm learning a lot about how those deals are structured. So that's a bigger level of the same thing. I see it as you're combining forces, you're building relationships on a grander scale and you're leaning into everybody's strengths to make everybody better. And so I think that syndication and cash on cash return, cash flow too. <laughs> At the end of the day, what are we here for? We're here to, to have high appraisals, high appreciation, and to make passive money off of the real estate that's available. Education is critical in this business. What books, apps, or mastermind groups will you recommend listeners immerse themselves in? See. I'm going to recommend a specific chapter of a book, which maybe a lot of people have heard of, 4-Hour Workweek. It's mm -hmm. within the title, but 
just reading chapter four, The End of Time Management by Tim Ferriss, that'll change your life right there. I read that entire chapter and then I just went and then I read it again and took notes on it. And then I live and die by some of those notes today. So that chapter alone, you don't have to read anything else within the book. I think that chapter is uh, the critical part of that book. Outside of that, let's see. I read a book called recently called Incognito. I read a lot of, in psychology and behavioral economics and that sort of thing. So that's where some of my nerd is coming out. But understanding unconscious or, or subconscious motivating factors and how our mind works a little bit is something I just love to study. And it helps me to understand more of the human experience and how people go about their decision-making. And so not just strictly within real estate, but read a, reading sales books, reading psychology books, reading strategy books of outside of your domain of what you're working within, I think is also on a general level, very helpful because it builds more of a robust knowledge base for you to then apply to what you're hopefully looking to tackle. I'm sitting here smiling because that makes so much sense now <laughs> because this whole time I've been thinking he has such high EQ and he just knows how to work with people. He knows how to put deals together. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I'm getting from you is you know how to work with people and you know that real estate is a relationships driven business. I think that's super powerful. All right. So number five, what is the most important skill to build to be successful in real estate investing? Resilience. Yeah, I okay. think that and that goes for anything, too. Because you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to try in order to fail. And you also have to be willing to continue trying when you fail. And so all those things together are, they're going to shape you and they're going to make you adjust your course within any goal that you have, not just real estate. And so when you're resilient, when you're willing to just have your why and understand what it is that motivates you away from where you are yesterday and today and toward where you are tomorrow and in the future, that's going to be the best motivation you can get toward being resilient. If you use that, then that's going to push you toward your future. And that's going to propel you to where you can get through the failures. You can get through some of the hard times because you know why you're doing it. And even though it didn't quite work out this time, you're better prepared for tomorrow. All right. Last question. What is the very first action you would advise a brand new investor to take to start their journey in real estate? The first action. So I get out of bed today and I say, you know what? I want to be a real estate investor. What's the first thing I should do? Yeah. I think this is me projecting some of my extroversion and my personality, but talk with people. There's two ways that you learn everything. You either do it yourself or you learn by watching somebody else do it. That's how strict it gets. How do you do it? You either try something or you watch it on, on YouTube or you watch somebody in real life as they're playing it out in real time. Being a part of that experience and just talking with others about their experiences and really being curious and genuine about that helps you to, to develop a healthy relationship with them, but also to learn from them. And so. As I said, it's all about real estate is a lot to do with relationship building, but it's not just because of the relationship. It's because you're going to be able to learn so much more from what their experiences are. And that, again, goes toward any type of goal that you have. If you have something that you're looking to tackle, knowing others who are 
either struggling with you, looking to take on the same goal, or are already there and have other problems, that's going to give you a lot of perspective and a lot of strengths that they have and a lot of weaknesses that they have as well. And you can continue to learn from them and apply that to your own business and your own life. All right, there we go. Thank you for coming on the show, Ian. We really appreciate you. I'm Dre Evans, the host, the other host of Chi Nguyen, Multifamily by the Size, tuning out with another great episode. See you next time. Peace. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Multifamily by the Slice podcast. If you would like free resources, exclusive content, or more information on investing in real estate, visit the website at multifamilybytheslice.com. See you next week.